All right. It's your host, Dan Clapp, CEO of Oda Cleaning and Restoration. And I'm excited to welcome a special guest and friend of Voda's, um, Stephen Levano. Hey, Stephen, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me today, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to chat with you and catch up. Um, you know, we were just chatting about restoration and how both of us are not necessarily, you know, restoration people to start. We are business people that got into restoration, but I was hoping first, before we jump into our conversation, would you mind kind of sharing a little bit about yourself and your background and company uh, with our audience here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Steven Lovano. I'm uh, the CEO and co-founder of Capabuild. We're a job management platform uh, specifically built for the restoration industry. Um, you know, kind of going back to kind of more of my origin story. So I started, um, I've been in and around technology, the Bay Area my entire life. Um, but also had kind of a tie. My, uh, my family, uh, ran a small metal fabrication, sheet metal factory business in the Bay Area. And it was kind of decimated over time by the advancements of technology and like, and, uh, hyperflight sales uh, motions and they just couldn't keep up with the time. So ultimately they shut the business down. And, um, but it, when I was kind of looking for an entrepreneurial endeavor, you know, I'd been in around commercial real estate, property, construction, et cetera, for the better part of a decade. And I was looking for a software platform that I could build about three years ago um, that was really going to add value to kind of the built world and to those, the services addressing that built world. And I kept coming back to restoration. I'd seen a number of, uh, of restoration projects uh, when I was in kind of the property space. But the funny thing is, I'll, I'll fully admit, I was the jerk, you know, on the client side of like, just mop it up. Like what, what, it's just water in the carpet, just like vacuum, get it going. Like we got to get this project back on track. And the further I dug, the more I realized just how um, compliance driven, how detailed. And I mean, this business is truly an art form and the systems and technology that they were using was archaic. And so what you saw is just a lot of businesses that were impeded in their own growth because they're too busy trying to figure out how to run their systems. So um, yeah, I kind of came to the industry two years ago. A co-founder I met and uh, we started building this thing. And, and we've been building truly for two years. We'll, we'll, we'll launch a little more publicly in January. But yeah, it's been a long build. Yeah, what I like about what you guys are doing, Stephen, is I know you put all your energy, money, resources, and time into, into building the product. And that's been your focus for two years. But before we jump into that, like, just we've got to share the story because... The amount of connections between you, Zach, our COO, um, my neighbor and friend, um, you know, like I just, I just think it's crazy how connected we, our companies are. Yeah. I mean, like Dan, you're a relationship guy. So it's so online. So I think, you know, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'm going to butcher and par- uh, uh, the paraphrase of this, but basically, you know, he says, I am where I am today, not because I'm lucky, not because I'm a self made man, but because of the people around me. And, um, so I, I kind of, it's like, I, if I can find someone interesting, someone I can help, like I'm always trying to do that. Um, and it just, like you said, it's like life kind of leads you in, in weird ways. Yeah. Like you and I found out that a good mutual friend you're literally a neighbor of. So it's just, it's just a small world. But, uh, but yeah, I just, when it's a crazier connection, right? You didn't like a friend. How did you and Zach get connected? Yeah. So I think it was Zach's childhood friend was saying, you know, Hey, uh, a buddy of mine's thinking about starting a restoration company. And so there, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I'll talk to him, see how it goes. And, and then the further we started speaking, you know, I think uh, Zach and his husband, we probably were 
uh, it's a bit of a budding bromance, but we were, we were talking on the phone for, I don't know, a couple hours a week, uh, just around like our visions for our respective businesses and then, you know, kind of how we could be helpful to each other. So I just found that like, you, you bring good people into it, into your world. You're going to figure out ways to make life a little more fun. And you're going to be more successful that way. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I guess, you know, what, what are you seeing? Um, you know, again, so, you know, me being someone that didn't start in restoration, I've been in business and in franchising and then got into restoration, but what are you seeing the major pain points with, um, you know, restoration companies when it comes to technology, you know, the, the, the one thing I'll, I'll mention kind of to, as a precursor, me getting into restoration, learning the product offerings and the, what you need to have is so much less clear than many other verticals within home services. Restoration, no one's really dialed in on the technology. There's a lot of different technologies kind of fragmented. Um, what are you seeing, you know, the most tech savvy restoration companies are starting to, to realize? Yeah, I think, um, I've been a big proponent of this. You know, it's at a time it can be counterintuitive to what we're trying to accomplish, but I think for the longest time, the rest of the restoration industry has been driven by insurance referrals and or plumbing referrals or just, you know, where someone is handing you revenue and then your, your job is to go out and execute on that revenue. But the problem with that is, Oftentimes, the people handing you the business want you to report information, collect information, and utilize different systems. But as you know, not every business has one customer. So when you have multiple customers, and, and oftentimes, and that customer being at the endpoint, uh, an insurance company, they're asking to use all these different software systems. So what you see these restoration contractors, I mean, you touched on it, like how difficult it is to see what systems to use. It's because everyone else is saying, hey, use a little bit of this, use a little bit of that. It's like going to uh, a bunch of mothers and saying, what's the best recipe for apple pie? You know, the further you go back in generations, it's going to vary, you know, by every little bit, you're going to need, you're going to need a thousand ingredients. Um, so anyway, I just think that the, the biggest problem I've seen is that the software stack these businesses are implementing is largely predicated on what their customers are telling them they have to do. But it's not the best thing that services their business. Customers are looking for good solutions. They're not looking for someone just to use the software system they said to use. So I think the best firms out there are the ones that are going, how do we want to do business? How do we run our business? And then what software systems fit that workflow? Not the other way around. You know, a lot of these workflows that these businesses are operating with are built on by software systems that are trying to be all things to all people. Yeah. It's interesting because in, in my experience in restoration, um, you know, again, getting the different technology products to mesh and communicate with one another is, is incredibly difficult. Um, and, you know, I just, what I've found so far, so for example, you know, what we believe uh, one of the key elements of, you know, succeeding in business is the simple tenant of communicating and over communicating and stuff our dads taught us to do in business. It really does matter, right? Answering the phone and being communicative. And, um, you know, what we're looking at, you know, continually to enhance is communicating with our end user, our customers that are, you know, we're servicing and then also communicating better with our referral partners who provide us opportunities and make sure that we're hitting our SLAs properly and communicating that back if something goes wrong or, or well, um, just simple technology to communicate with customers and to communicate with the people who provide us business opportunities. Um, and I don't find that there's a ton of 
technology there yet for this type of communication. Yeah, I mean, part of that too, like, is good communication is good information, right? So, you know, talking for the sake of talking, you're not giving, you know, everyone you're talking to is busy. And so if you're just giving them errant updates, but it's like, all right, well, what do I need to know? You know, like, I think both you and I have found this, you know, I don't want to speak for you, relative newbies to the industry, uh, is the fact that, like, this is a really highly complex workflow. And the average customer doesn't need to know the ins and outs and what dehumidifier, what desiccant were you using and why your GPP is this or that. Like you just, all those things, they want to know, is my, is my property going to be fixed in a timely manner? And are you going to make me feel like it's a trustworthy process? So I think that, that communication, like I think a lot of the problems with these um, softwares that were built prior, and I don't want to speak ill of anyone because I think there, there are immensely robust systems, but that's just it. It's, that you need a motorcycle, you buy a motorcycle. You don't buy a motorcycle, a helicopter, a boat, a car, an all-terrain yeah. vehicle that all does one because you're going to, you know, a jack of all trades is a master of none. So in the absence of, you know, good communication, it, it, the, all these great systems that do a lot of things just kind of fall on themselves. So yeah, I'm curious, how, how do you think about that when you're building a business from the ground up, like, you know, building communication? Like, what are you thinking about building good systems? Is it protocols? Is it software? Is it a combination of both? Well, I think you were spot on when you said, you know, good communication starts with it, good information. Um, you know, where we've really been laser focused is on um, a product that we have that we built internally called Scoreboard, which is a, you know, data analytics platform that tracks all the KPIs for our franchise owners, um, you know, for Voda, because Voda is a franchise system in restoration. And, um, you know, we've been, Laser focused on that, and it's it's not an easy project. I mean, we started that project in you know early this year, so you know we're almost coming up on a year of, of developing it, and um, it's not an easy project. But what we know is that it's providing our franchise owners with every single data point that they need. And my vision that we're going to take that scoreboard product and then apply that to ranking and rating um, the the ability to hit the SLAs that we have in place. So. One of the things we're doing about it is being, you know, very flexible with our, you know, regional and national, future national accounts that we're looking toward establishing and saying, look, what is your current provider not doing? We can, we're nimble right now. So we can customize this, this to work for you. And then we're going to track our franchise or, or at least the vision or hope is we're going to track our franchise owners and be able to say, Hey, look, like you scored a, an eight, which is great. Or you scored a six. And this is the third time you scored a six. We need to improve this or we need to, you know, you know, rotate you out of kind of that that referral program, right? Because, yeah. you know, the only way you can manage anything is by, by measuring it. No, that's, yeah, and you bring it, I think there's kind of an interesting element to that as well, like where you, not only you're managing your franchises, but if all of your franchises are scoring threes and fours, maybe that's not the right customer. I mean, I think you and I both know kind of coming from our, our respective backgrounds, like sometimes you got to, I don't know, fire customers, maybe a little too harsh, but you, you know, the, the power of a good service is knowing who a good customer is as well. And so like that, that's an interesting element to be able to track that data. And then from that, you'll be able to see who are the customers we should continually invest in because you know some some customers are just tough to work with. And if they're not making much money on them, is that something you, you know, at an early stage want to grow with? Yeah, no, hundred percent. And you know, for us, like, you know, what's so important is like we're working with a lot of, you know, plug proper property managers and plumbers, and, you know, we want to continue to earn their business. And so we want our franchise owners to be able to see, you know, that not only the, you know, off of a gut feeling that the, you know, business 
did a good job, but like, how is it being ranked? I'm a big fan of surveys and providing surveys. And so we're going to continue to try to collect as much data as we can, feed that into scoreboard and then give that information to our, to our franchise owners. I, I just, I personally, again, in restoration, one of the things that attracted me was the fact that there was a lack of uniform technology. We could implement technology better than I think that a lot of franchise systems. And so, you know, Zach's been at the forefront of working with you and with others to, to pr- provide really great technology. So much so that I think we overwhelm our potential franchise owners sometimes because like we just did so much ahead of other brands. I mean, there's, there's restoration companies with 200 units. They don't have the tech or more. They don't have the technology that, you know, that we have, but. Um, I think that that's, you know, when you're in home services, there's only so many ways you can change how you're going to extract water out of someone's house. So you win by being more efficient and, you know, being more, uh, like I said, more communicative. Yeah. And really like when you, when you start to look at like how you're building these systems from the ground up, there's a beauty and simplicity as well. You know, like even, you know, internally with our own company, like, I mean, it is, it is the software company plight that you look at like even an early stage company like ourselves. You're paying for 50, 60 different types of documentation software, Google Docs, Notion, Slack, et cetera, all these different things. And you're like, what are we actually using these various things for? And so centralizing that information and having a purpose-built approach like you all have done, I think is, is really powerful, especially as you're trying to build a standard of service for your customers so that you know when you work with Voda that it is going, you're going to get a particular level of service and a particular level of output. And then to circle it all back, you're going to be able to, to track the progress and the success of that across your internal projects as well. Absolutely. So I guess switching gears, Stephen, like, you know, question for you, like, you know, you're super hyper-connected in the, in the restoration space, you know, very well known in the IRA. And I, I, when I went to that conference, I felt like a lot of people knew you. If someone's listening to this and they're running a restoration company, like, you know, what, what would you say are like some tips on how to get connected to the community, because I, I know for me, like when I went to RIA, even though it's my first year, and even though I consider myself decent at networking, you know, it was a little bit um, overwhelming. So, any tips on how someone can get? How did you get so connected into the industry so quickly? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll kind of uh, like go back and talking about my family's business. It's when I started, the, when I first wanted to start exploring the space, I was like, "Hey, this is a pretty interesting industry." I was driven by a few things. At the end of the day, every operator truly cares. They really care about helping a homeowner, a customer at a time of like dire need. Like no one planned for a restoration project. No one planned to come home and find out that their pipe burst when they were coming home from a vacation or from their kid's soccer practice. So as part of that, and as a new entrant to the industry, you have to show you care too. So I think one of the first things I did, um, I called, I think upwards of like 250, 300 contractors. And literally anyone that would let me come on site, I, I was like, hey, I don't want to you know, get on a Zoom, ask you to do a survey. I was like, hey, I'll fly out to Dallas, to Florida, to Southern California, to Central California, Denver, Virginia. I was flying all over the country just for a two-hour meeting and to go on site, meet with the technicians because this is a very boots-on-the-ground business. So for me, I, mean, I don't know how much it scales. I mean, I'm, I'm married now. I'm expecting my first child um, next year, early next year. But it, I was just on flights. I was literally in front of people, showing them that I was willing to put my boots on 
get in, learn how to do it, do the work of a technician. I would help out with some of our early customers. So yeah, I just I think you've got to show you care as much as they care because there's a lot of private equity businesses, a lot of smart software players trying to come in and say, hey, I care about you. Well, it shows a lot when you show up, you know, that you care. So that, that, that'd be my advice, kind of networking. It's, and you got to pick the right people. You got to pick people that you connect with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I appreciate what you're saying on that topic of you know, flying around. I fly around. Well, I'm starting to cut back now, you. but yeah. I was flying around. Yeah. But you know, it's funny, like as a younger, you know, business owner, I'm sure plenty of the people listening to their similar age, you know, mid thirties, let's say, and, you know, early forties and um, early thirties, you know, I got by, I started my first business in college and I've, you know, been successful so far by working out, outworking everyone. And, um, I hope to continue to be that way. But what I've come to realize recently is um, I can't continue to think that my my winning strategy is to work late into the night and weekends and fly all around because I, I plan to have a family in the near future. I'd like to. And you know, I started to say to myself, well, how are you going to start winning now without working all night so that you can have a family one day, right? And so um, you know, figuring out where to spend your time is is super important. Um, if someone's, you know, in that case, they're running their business, they're, they're, they have a family. Um, have you found there's any way to connect with RIA and the community restoration virtually? Are there a lot of events that you attend virtually at all? Uh, I think it's happening more and more, especially, you know, during cat season when people are, you know, maybe tied to a physical location more and they can't do. That's why, you know, in this industry, you see conference season is like in typically speaking the best weather times of the year. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I certainly think there's like a virtual experience, but, um, for the most part, it's still a very look me in the eyes, shake your hand, like, you know, type of industry. But yeah, I mean, if you figure that out, Dan, please share some notes because I'm going to be quite busy come early next year and, uh, I'll have to start to adjust. I- I'm, I'm very much like you. I think, I don't know. I think you and I have been texting at all hours of the night and, and morning and you know, trying to figure that stuff out. So I, I've yet to figure that, crack that code, but. I'll, uh, I'll certainly share my secrets when I figure it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reality is you start a business, you know, you're going to have to work more hours than anybody, but eventually you should be able to, you know, peel out of that. Like I was, my last business I had for seven years. So I was starting to, you know, for five and year six and seven, I was out of the day to day. I was living a pretty nice lifestyle. And then I jumped back into this and, you know, it's, it's 24 seven, but that fades. Um, yeah. And, you know, honestly, I feel like, I feel like going to um, our like going to that conference. Like I would cut out everything else that's not relevant, and I'd go spend the two days to learn about my industry. I mean, it happens a couple of times a year. It's not, you know, that often. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a great like the one thing I find, and maybe it was just my lack of conferences from my prior industries, but um, I've really found that they and you know they being the restoration industry have really found a way to bring people together. Like the best time to get some of the best people and the best thinkers in the industry together is, you know, during conference season. So um, trying to do your best to, like you said, block everything out, go meet with folks, see how they're thinking. What are they worried about? How how can you and, and I as, as business owners trying to make a, a difference in this industry really address those pain points for our own customers? Absolutely. And, and while we're, we're chatting here, I, I want to, Give our listeners, if you don't know about these events, um, you know the RIA, you know Restoration Industry Association, is a great event to go to. Which is, uh, let's see, we're looking here; it's taking place. I believe it's in April. I'm not mistaken. 
And then you've got the uh, Restoration Remediation Conference that takes place, I think, also in April. If I'm not mistaken, they're they're ba- they're both. In yeah, April. a lot of Januarys and Aprils and Februarys. But I'll uh, I'll give a plug for um, Michelle Blevins at uh, Cleaning Restoration Magazine. They have a really good um, kind of events calendar. Um, so it puts together and aggregates all the cleaning and restoration events for the industry um, every year. And so that's that's I kind of that's my bible. Um, I usually share that with my wife. Mm. And hey, this is this is what my travel schedule looks like for the year. And yeah. um, the nice thing is Michelle's done the legwork for or Michelle and her team have done the legwork for me. So it's it's a nice. Uh, I'll I'll give her credit where credits due. That's that's been a really valuable tool, especially as I'm trying to figure out where the heck am I going to go. Yeah, no, it's interesting as a franchise or like, you know, our corporate headquarters, I'm in New York City, but our corporate headquarters is in Madison, Wisconsin. We have um, what's called a Discovery Day once a month, which our prospective franchise owners come to. And then we have training every six weeks, um, which currently has been in different locations, but that's in Wisconsin. And then uh, some other meetings with the team. So uh, I think I'll be getting myself a uh, property in Wisconsin in the near future because I, I don't want to keep traveling back and forth. Um, but uh, traveling and running a business on a national level is tough. But you know that's what I love about restoration. You know the fact that you can operate a business locally, but then you can also go and do you know you know cats and you know and, and be involved in more um, weather related events, bring in a bunch of money. And I've never really seen an industry like that. Like if I were to run a home services business in any other vertical, I'd pretty much be the guy in my town doing the work. But the fact that you can go to other areas and, and expand your business market shares is my favorite part about one of my favorite parts about restoration for sure. Yeah, it's fascinating to like um <laughs> I uh when Hurricane Ian hit last year, I was uh I was actually in I was in Miami um for for work and uh and we ended up leaving just just short of it, but I wanted to go back and be kind of boots on the ground with some of the uh, contractors we knew in the area, I was naive enough to think that I could just get a hotel or uh, find an Airbnb in f- effectively what was a disaster zone. And uh, we realized it's just like the immense logistics it takes to get to these events. And I keep going back to you, like how much these people care. They really, really care about delivering for their clients. Um, and yeah, just get to that point is is kind of interesting to see. Like you could have a contractor from Northern Oregon, drive all the way down to Florida to respond to a, a hurricane event. And there's trucks of people and caravans. It's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Well, Stephen, thanks for, um, for joining. Absolutely. If someone wants to get in touch with you and you know learn from you, connect with you, where would they go to connect with you? Yeah, so we uh, we're we're kind of operating under the radar up until January. We'll have a more much more public launch, but they can go to our website. It's www.capabuild.app. It's C A P A Build, um, and they can sign up for our newsletter. Um, we'll uh, we'll get your email and then then send you a release. And we're we're kind of going wide to the market and, and showing what we've been working on hard for the last two years. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining. Thanks for having me, man. It's been great.